Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com the nba finals are heating up looking for hot takes on all the postseason action the old man and the three presented by bmw is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage host and former nba sharpshooter jj reddick not only has a plugged in perspective on the action from his time in the league but he's also announcing the games in real time for espn J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. They had to scramble jets from Gary, Indiana the other day. What? The aliens are coming to Gary? To do what? Go to the Jackson 5 Museum? SI's Russ Dillinger. Administrators have told me, why would you invite in Texas if you're not going to play the Texas Texas A&M game? And, and it makes a lot of sense. So that, that game just has to be played. And SI's Pat Forty. I, th- I think this is like, okay, I'm tired of being known just for m- being mullet guy. I want to actually just be known as a good quarterback, and now I'm going to show that I'm a good quarterback, and we're just going to leave the hair out of the whole equation, and I'm just going to go out and throw passes. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. And uh, as we alluded to, Last week, based on excellent reporting by Ross Dellinger, the likelihood of Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 and getting to the SEC a year early in time for the 2024 football season was a real possibility. And voila, here we are. Late last week, a deal was made. It seems like uh, Texas and Oklahoma will leave or pay, or whatever the deal, however you want to um, determine it, $100 million, which will go back to the Big 12. I imagine the uh, the main eight, the eight legacy Big 12 universities. So they're each going to pick up rough math there. It's $12.25 million each, which is cool. And Longhorns, Sooners get to go to the SEC a season early. So 
what happened, Ross, at the end there to finally get this done? I think we all expected that they would find a way to come to a number to get out. But, you know, it was uh, certainly the Big 12 held a hard bargain. Yeah, this has been, uh, you know, pretty pretty long process going back to probably like November. I think that's when, well, it really goes back to October. October is when there was a president's meeting with the Big 12 uh, officials in the president of OU in Texas kind of made it made it known that they're ready to get out of the league. And then it was around November or December where I think Big 12 got on board and they were like, all right, like, just leave. You know, we're done. Let's get it do- over with. And they really agreed to terms, the Big 12 legacy schools in OU in Texas weeks ago. And so it was up to the networks. And, um, and I think we addressed this right on the podcast Last week, you guys asked me, I think, what the percentage I thought uh, of Texas and OU getting to the going to the SEC early was. And it followed the report from ESPN and The Athletic that basically talks were dead. And I said 75 to 80 percent at the time. You know, I felt good about that, even in the aftermath of of those reports. And but there were some um, there were some issues over the last few few days, certainly, and there were some snags they hit. But it's like every negotiation, you know, you hit snags, everybody walks away and they come back. But I think what really needs to be highlighted here is the Big 12 in, in Commissioner Brett Yormark wanted Texas and OU out. I mean, and that was the bottom line. Like they convinced the networks or he convinced the networks or whatever to get this deal done. And, and really, I think every party wanted the deal to get done except one. Fox, right? Because they really, this was a losing for them in a lot of ways. This was a loser, but they got some stuff. We, you know, they're going to get the Michigan Texas game in 24, and they're going to get several million dollars from that 100 million that OU and Texas owe. So, you know, give it up for, um, bet your mark, you know, self proclaimed deal maker to uh, get the deal to happen and convince Fox to. To pull the trigger on it, and uh, I think you know, really intense negotiations started a week ago last Monday, and uh, kind of culminated. I think Wednesday night, I really think the deal was done, and then of course everything kind of unfolded Thursday late afternoon, evening. Yeah, I think if you're the Big Twelve schools, you got to be happy with where things sit because that that was the absolute elephant in the room. So let's get the elephant out and make sure the elephant doesn't win any more championships. I mean, they they could still win in 2023, but the last two champions have been decided from outside of Texas and Oklahoma, those two schools. And uh, I think it's really bolstered the credibility of the league. And now you get an extra $100 million to sprinkle around, right? Take it, run into the into the future with your 12-team your setup. You feel you know, pretty solid about where things are at and let's get on with getting on and, and let Oklahoma and Texas find out what life's going to be like in the SEC. I think it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. So let's get to that. I mean, it's it, 2024 is like super exciting. Absolute transition year. Oklahoma, Texas are now in a 14 team SEC, no 16 team SEC. What is it? I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. 16 team. Yeah. Losing track of some of these. I know. It's, it's, it's easy to lose track these days. Yeah. It's easy to lose track. I'm not. It's just, no one said there'd be math. Uh, <laughs> 16 team SEC. Which is going to have to change the way they've scheduled and are going to. The 
USC and UCLA are going to be in a 16-team Big Ten. And, uh, well, and by then, the Big 12 would be totally different. The Pac-12 could be totally different. And we're going to have this little thing called a a 12-team playoff. All at once. 2024 is going to be bonkers. Bonkers. And I was like talking to people involved in the NFL, marketing the NFL, media deals in the NFL. I kept getting asked about college when I was just chatting with people the last week I was at the Super Bowl. Everyone thinks this is rocket fuel for the sport. It's just like, well, oh, they're finally getting organized. And Sunday is going to be Sunday for the NFL and Thursday and Monday and all the other days they play. But Saturday can be the even bigger than it is now. And it can be more nationalized. Everyone can be more dialed into all the different stuff. And obviously, we know how big college football is. It It is dwarfed by the NFL. I think college football is the second biggest sport in this country. But it's still like, compared to the NFL, it's a niche. But it's like, wow, that that these guys could finally get something going here. I found pretty interesting. So before we get to the specifics of Texas and Oklahoma and what they're facing, 2024, Pat, get ready. You ready? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm ready. I mean, it, like it's, it's going to be just a completely new, bizarre, crazy, challenging uh, landscape. You know, uh, I mean, we triple the size of the playoff. We have the two superpower leagues go up to sixteen schools. We have a lot of rivalries fall by the wayside. We have new matchups that are going to be really weird, but also compelling. Like in a we've a lot of people will say, you know, that college football never changes. It's always the same. Well, it's going to be a lot, lot different. There may still be a few of the same teams at the top, but the landscape and how we get to the top is going to be profoundly changed. And I think it's just going to be great. And man, oh man, the podcast will actually lead the way. We will be the leaders and legends of the new college football. I believe that to be true. (laughs) I believe that to be accurate. It is exciting to think about I mean, 24, all those things kind of happening. And I think that's part of, too, why this did happen, you know, why it got done, why why uh, the Big 12 wanted it to get done, why everybody wanted it to get done that year, Texas and OU moving over, because it does align with everything, you know, with the Big 10 expansion and the college football playoff expansion and all the media rights deals that come up then. You know, the Big 12's media rights deal will come up after that, I believe, after that year. And, and so you have all that kind of happening in one year. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to think about that we're, we're having these new leagues and expansion all fall on, on that one year. So everybody's kind of got that circled as a, a year of a a new era in college athletics. And who knows, we might see even a more evolution of college athlete compensation by then as well. Yeah. There's also that, right. There's also that, but yeah, totally different. So SEC, Greg Sankey has said the SEC is looking to move to a single division format. ACC, Pac-12 have already done that. Big Ten, I think, is also discussing that but haven't made that move. Spare me. If, forgive me if I'm, I, I don't have it quite. And I think, it's, I think it's, it's necessary. I think it's gotten a little stale. You know, it's the same teams, particularly in the East. There seems to be a little bit of fatigue and maybe a lack of rivalries going down. So do you have, you know, what do we do? The obvious move is to go to nine league games, have three permanent opponents and six rotating, and you're going to get through 
you're going to get more of the, their beloved inventory. Yeah. And you're going to get more, you know, uh, everyone's going to slide through and you're going to be able to keep the the rivalry games that you you really want. Is that still the expected move, Ross? Or do you think they'll stick at eight? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think a year ago, if you'd have polled the AD room, you'd have gotten a kind of a split, maybe even right down the middle, eight in eight. You know, the SEC, uh, more than most leagues, I think the SEC really has a delineation that cuts right through half of the league. There's a top half, a clear hot top half from a revenue in success, historic success in, in football, and you could maybe say basketball, but specifically football. And there's a delineation. There's a top eight and a bottom eight. There was in the past top seven and bottom seven, but now with Texas and Oklahoma, there's a top eight in in bottom eight. You know, for the top eight, you know, nine games, you know, and a lot is is uh they they view it differently, I then I think, than the bottom eight. You know, I think the top eight views it as uh, as as a better thing, as a good thing to to add an extra conference game. Probably because most of the top eight would be favored in that extra football game versus the bottom eight. So it's pretty simple. I mean, there's other things to go along with that, but that's the main point. So I think last year it might have been eight versus eight. You know, split. I think that's changed. I, I think there's a uh, there's an understanding in the room that the SEC needs to uh, think about the SEC as a conference as a whole and not your individual school. And for the SEC, going to nine games, adding that extra one is beneficial. Uh, Not only does it, obviously, you add an extra SEC versus SEC game, uh, but like you said, Dan, you know, with that 3-6 model, everybody can play everybody else twice in a four-year span, once at home and, and once away, which is really what they want to do. They want to play more, more, more of each other. The, the big question still lingering, and I wrote about this last week, is will ESPN give additional revenue for the additional inventory, um, the additional good inventory of a ninth conference game? And I, you know, I think you'd say, yeah, that they would give more. But, but for whatever reason, if they say no, I think you're going to have more people in that AD room shift back and maybe say we should maybe stay at eight. So that's that's kind of the situation right now. I think they're going to make a decision next month. They meet at Santa Rosa Island uh, off of 30A and uh, the Florida Panhandle, the ADs do. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. where they make a, a decision. They ain't meeting at a conference center in uh, Huntsville or Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are not. Remember the Hilton Garden Inn, Starkville, where Cam Newton's famous <laughs> meeting went down? <laughs> yeah. Do that. Not meeting there either. Nope. Not the first time big money deals had been discussed at the Hilton Garden Inn <laughs> in Starkville. <laughs> I mean, so, look, you're you're going one and seven. Right now, like, I think Missouri and Missouri visited Auburn for the first time since, since they entered the league in 2012 last year. Like, Georgia has not been to Texas A&M, I think. You know, it just takes a long time to rotate through. The other thing is, what do you do? Or you add Texas, okay? You make this bold move. You add Texas. What are you going to do with them? Yeah. What is their What is their one protected rivalry? Is it Oklahoma? What? Well, damn, better be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like that's one yeah. of the biggest games of the year in this incredible tradition in college football, and it means so much to Oklahoma, Texas, the Texas State Fair, the whole thing, right? 
But yeah. then wait a minute. You got to have Texas play in Texas A&M every year. Cause like, what's the point of this? Yeah. And man, Arkansas is not saying, Hey, I'm glad Texas is here. Let's play them on 2033 and then 2041. <laughs> so like, you got to do this, right? Like, right. And that, that's a big, uh, right. The eight game, one permanent seven rotational model. That's, that's one of the big like defections in it is that you don't protect secondary rivalries. You protect the primary, but you don't protect the secondary. So a lot of, a lot of secondary rivalries in an eight, eight game model would go away, including Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU. and then Texas, Alabama, and Texas LSU might, ha- might not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think that's also a reason. Yeah. Why, why in the end, I would think that this ends up, uh, as a nine game schedule. And yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to put too many assumptions out there. I mean, a, a lot of folks kind of think that the Aggies didn't or don't really want to play Texas every year. They didn't in the first place want them in the league. I think that's pretty obvious. They didn't want them in the league in the first place. And if they're in the league, well, uh, I don't know that they want to play them every year. But as I, as several SEC administrators have told me, why would you invite in Texas if you're not going to play the Texas Texas A&M game. And, and it makes a lot of sense. So that that game just has to be played. And and someone did throw out to me, uh, not only does that game have to be played, but maybe you finagle the schedule where that game is back on Thanksgiving or at least back on the final regular season game. Could you guys imagine the uh, ESPN executives, TV executives, drooling over a Egg Bowl Texas, Texas A&M doubleheader on Thanksgiving Day? <laughs> you're gonna have to uh, run up against the Cowboys. The Cowboys yeah, yeah. will play at four, yeah, right, or something like right. that. Three, but then you go right. I mean, yeah. oh man, the you the, do a five eight p.m. or something like that. The you know? alcohol consumption and potential gunplay in the Lone Star State. <laughs> if yeah. we go Cowboys, Cowboys late window <laughs> afternoon. And then Texas, Texas. I mean, holy cow! Yeah, I, come, now I'm a little worried. Maybe not. <laughs> I might switch my vote back. This comes with yeah. an asterisk, of course, if they move up the regular season, and the Thanksgiving weekend becomes right, com- right. championship weekend, of course. But here, here's my True. thing. I'll get to you, Pat. You guys are like they're making they're they're setting it up, right? We're we're starting to finally do the things that are like smart and like okay, we got this, we got this. Don't. Don't half-ass it now. I don't care if Texas ain't going to play Texas. You're damn playing. Yeah, right. Guess what? The Broncos don't want to play the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year either. They have to. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. You have to play Texas and Texas A&M. <laughs> yeah. And you have to play Oklahoma and Texas. This yeah. isn't Texas-Arkansas, which I think would be the great third game for yeah. Texas and means so much. Arkansas could make out like bandits here. Arkansas could get Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M as their rivalries, or at least two of the three. Mm-hmm. And that's huge for Arkansas. Arkansas is begging for someone that they, you know, a, a real rival. They've tried to get one going with A&M. They tried to get one with LSU. Tried to get one going with Missouri. I don't know if any of those. They hate Texas. So you got to get there. But that's not even that. This is, I mean, Texas has to play these two teams every year. I and I, mm-hmm. if you're, you do not want to get rid of the, you have to keep Alabama, Auburn. You do not want to get rid of Alabama, LSU, which is the most, other than Michigan, Ohio State's been the biggest TV game the last eight, nine years, right? Probably consistently. Yeah. 10, 11, and then, 12 years. Then you're, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, for a long time. And then the budding rivalry with 
the, the renewed rivalry. It's always been a rivalry, but renewed competitiveness of Tennessee. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, yes. You look, you've already strong-armed Texas A&M a little bit to get Texas in the league. You just keep strong-arm them, strong-arm them a lot now and say, yeah, you're playing. You're playing the, the Longhorns. And if that game, maybe it didn't Thanksgiving night, maybe that's still the Egg Bowl, or may, maybe you alternate some years. It's A&M against Texas on Thursday, and you move the Egg Bowl to Friday, and then uh, other years you flip it back and forth. But either way, I think that Thursday and Friday would be very nice spots for uh, for that game, for sure. Now, Ross, you threw out 8-8, eight and eight, and I've been sitting here like scribbling shorthand since then to Ooh, figure let's out... let's go. Caucusing. Yeah, let's caucus, by let's, golly. Where's Gary Barta? Where's <laughs> where's the friends fam? Where's we'll make everybody family. in Iowa... Let's caucus. Brock yep, Purdy, you can caucus. Get back over there. <laughs> Matt Campbell. Yeah, that's right. What do you got? Kia Cuck, come on, weigh in. Um, okay, so Let's here's what I got. Water and caucus. This is this is giving the benefit of the doubt to Texas and Oklahoma coming in uh, as big dollar entities, not necessarily yeah. based on current success. So the 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 top heavy eight, the eight that have had more success, Georgia. Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas. You got it. The other eight. Okay. Tennessee's the one that's kind of the – Tennessee's the middle. It is. Yeah. Tennessee's the – like you could put them in maybe either, you know, I mean, they're obviously – They fancy themselves as the – they fancy they, themselves in the gated community, not with our riffraff they do. of Mizzou I, I, I know they and do. South Kentucky about football. Come on. Uh, I know, I know, I know. But yeah. but outside schools. of Tennessee, it's a pretty clear, it's a pretty clear yeah. split. Yeah. You know, there's a bottom seven, and that that's it. You know, you could say ten seven mm-hmm. if you want, but but yeah, ten, or nine seven. But yeah, Tennessee is definitely that uh, kind of in the limbo. And you know what's going to happen? I think the way they're going to end up picking the three permanents. It's going to be three ways, and I and I I put together kind of a list, just a guesstimation of what I think each team's three permanents will be, and they're going to do it. I think based on three ways, they'll probably never, they'll probably never admit, acknowledge it, the SEC office. But I think they're going to do it based on primary and secondary rivalries. Number one, I think they're number two going to do it in geography, and number three, they're going to do it on the equity on 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 fairness uh, of of the three. And that is going to be based on what we're talking about right now, the top and the bottom. And that's what happened in 2020 when they created the 10-game SEC schedule. They based it on those three criteria, specifically that number three. They didn't admit, they didn't acknowledge it. Nobody ever, I don't think, publicly acknowledged it. But they did it based on the top and the bottom, trying to trying to be eat, trying to be as fair as they can. So what I think is going to basically happen is if you're in the top eight or so, okay, you're in the top eight, you're going to play two top eights and one bottom eight. If you're in the bottom eight, you're going to play two bottom eights and one top eight. And that's how, again, that's how they kind of constructed things in 2020. Uh, I think that's how they're going to construct things for this. And I, I just took a jab at it, you know, based on those three things. And I, I listed every all 16 teams what i think their three permanents should or could be okay yeah and i i mean i like it and i I think it's workable you know i'm looking at it right now i mean i i I think you can do it without coming up with too many kind of weird contrived Mm -hmm. hinky 
situations. And for one thing, it, it absolutely would Texas going to play Oklahoma and A&M for their two from the top eight. And then they can play Arkansas from the bottom eight. You right. know, I, I mean, there's a lot of them that, that would kind of work out fairly naturally, I think. Uh, let, yep. Let's go back to this on A&M. If A&M ducks the annual Texas game, I'm going to be, be <laughs> that's a good five years of straight mocking, no matter what you do. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be allowed to do that. Well, again, and I mean, if, they, if they try embarrassing. it, that's embarrassing. As the leaders and legends of the new football universe, we'll be ready to call them on it. <laughs> Again, we are the guardians and the gatekeepers. Marty, it's a preemptive warning. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Play. Don't, don't you already try. negotiated the first game is going to be in College Station. Yep. I know the Aggies, and we all know why the Aggies, well, there's many reasons the Aggies hate the Longhorns. You know, it's the, the just the cultures of the school. They get the snazzy Austin. They look down on them, all that. But when they were all together in the same league before, Texas ran the show. And that will be the biggest cultural shift for Texas and Oklahoma is mm-hmm. they're the new guys. Nobody cares. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe, you know, they're coming in with a lot of might, but that's it. But, the yeah, the Aggies won't get pushed around by the Longhorn interest anymore because right. the SEC is not going to bend to, the, to Texas. Right. So it's a little different culture. But they've also had a head start to get their program going. They recruit very well. They've got all their facilities. I mean, everything's there. Uh, like, who, in 2024, who's who's more ready for this, Texas or Texas A&M? It's not like Texas is doing poorly, but we haven't seen this Steve Sarkeesian offense do anything. He's got all the weapons in the world. We haven't seen anything much. That's the great question, is, is you have uh, both programs underperforming, frankly, right now, but you've got another two years to ramp up, and I mean, the, the, the absolute Fisher-cut-bait referendum will come on Jimbo in the fall here. If he's going to really let Bobby Petrino call plays and modernize, quote-unquote modernize things, and if they don't improve, then somebody's swallowing a big pill, and I think they're moving on from Jimbo Fisher somehow, some way. Wow. Uh, and I think I think with Sark, this is maybe not a Fisher Cup bait year, but you better keep it going in the right direction. You start backsliding going in to the SEC, and there'll be plenty of people itchy about making a change there. The question, hey, Quinn Ewers cut his mullet? Does that mean he's going to be a better quarterback <laughs> or not? I don't know. Will he be able to hold off Arch Manning? We'll mm. see. But I, I was gonna I was gonna get to this. It is, but let's get to it right now. Quinn okay. Ewers, the Texas quarterback cut his famed mullet shrieks of panic amongst admirers <laughs> of all gender i suppose in uh, in austin that the the mullet is gone he seemed to seem to be very popular is this okay what does this represent is it fear is it fear of the competition that 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 arch manning is bringing or is it a, a renewed process he's you know business up front party in the back he's now all business all business all business i mean do we like this or is this a sign he's getting a little Little nerve, he's a little rattled. He's a little rattled, or we like, nope. Quinn's doubled down. He's going to kill it this year. Give me I a like verdict. No, nope, like I like it. it. I, I, th- I think this is like, okay. I'm tired of being known just for m- being mullet guy. I want to actually just be known as a good quarterback, and now I'm going to show that I'm a good quarterback, and we're just going to leave the hair out of the whole equation, and I'm just going to go out and throw passes. Now we'll see again if he's better than Arch Manning or not. But for now, I. I like the approach from from young Quinn. I may personally miss the mullet, but I can understand and appreciate the approach. Well, I like it too. I mean, I like it just on the basis that the mullet looked terrible 
awful. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It was great to like you know poke fun at and criticize, but. Yeah, I mean, like, just it's just not a great look. And so I'm glad that he shaved it off for, not for us, because it did provide content, but uh, just for his, uh, you know. We're so it, simple. It, We're just I know, so we are. simple. I know. But uh, yeah, good job. Good job shaving off. Maybe it does mean he's, uh, he's all business. Uh, or maybe it means he's thinking about things too much. I don't know. Who knows? Well, we're going to discuss it every week for the next show. He <laughs> doesn't even look like the same guy. No, I know. No. As long as like, is that the real Quinn Ewers, or do we have like a <laughs> is this a body double, or is it one of these aliens that might be attacking? Well, that's true. Is it? I don't yes, know. Like, know. what is this? He looks much, much more business. I mean, he uh, looked like an be... offensive lineman before, a very thin one, but <laughs> kind of looked like a like a D three O lineman. We might have to also be the official podcast of the alien invasion, too. I mean, I know. It's well, kind yeah, of in yeah. our wheelhouse. So we're going to get so, to that. Um, yeah. yeah. We're going to get. Don't. Anyone who possibly thought we would not discuss <laughs> <on> this. <laughs> they could merge the Big Ten and the and the SEC together. <laughs> and we'd carve out a few minutes of this UFO situation. Oh, hell yes. Okay. Because I, I mean, I don't. I, yeah. I got thoughts. I got thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> to stick briefly with football. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I'm so excited for the, we, these, these, these conference realignment has taken so much from us. Getting Texas and Texas A&M back is one of the rare times we're getting something back. It's a win. If it I'm is. A&M, a I win. want that game. You cannot be ducking Texas in your own league. You can't even look like your tech. You gotta, you gotta, this is, yeah. this is the state of Texas, man. You gotta have your finger on the trigger strong. <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah. be like, ah, well, maybe we gotta do this eight and one seven. I gotta protect, make sure I bring in UMass every November 18th to kick the hell out of them <laughs> and give them a million bucks. No, <laughs> bring it. Nucks down, man. Can't be shaking at the poker table. That's right. I was just going to say, you know, we're going to also get, uh, obviously we're, we're focused on that matchup as we should be, because that's the biggest one that we're going to get out of this realignment. But there, there are some others that are going to be really interesting, right? You're going to have some like old Southwest, I guess, matchups, you know, like, well, Arkansas and Texas, like we kind of mentioned, you're, you're, you're going to get, I don't think you're going to get every year, Arkansas, Oklahoma, but we're going to at least see that once every you know, two years, you're probably going to get a yearly border war with Missouri in Oklahoma. That's probably going to be a yearly thing as well. And then you're going to get some interesting ones. Uh, I think the the biggest issue the SEC is going to have in this three permanent, one of the biggest issues is who is the, is Oklahoma's third team? You know, Texas, obviously, and then Missouri, I think. But who's number three? And 
there's been some buzz that number three is actually going to be Florida. That Florida is going to, you're going to have to have a cross, you're going to have to have a cross kind of SEC footprint type of matchup there. If you, if you do the map, you do based on those three things that I mentioned, if you, the puzzle, putting the puzzle together, you're going to probably get in a situation where you, you might have to have like an Oklahoma, Florida type of deal. And the other issue the SEC is going to have is the, season ending matchups you know you have like four in-state acc or rivalries with the acc teams that'll be kept you'll have the egg bowl that'll be kept and iron bowl and all that stuff but you know there's going to be some interesting matchups at the season's end because not everybody has a like in-state you know matchup like an iron bowl or egg bowl or whatever yeah right so like like lsu is a good example in arkansas you know yeah yeah who do they play the four acc games just to put it out there for people it's the georgia plays georgia tech south carolina sec member plays clemson Mm -hmm. florida plays florida state and louisville Louisville. Mm -hmm. yep Yep. kentucky yep Mm -hmm. so then you then you you have have tennessee vanderbilt is kind of a game right Mm -hmm. you have egg 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 bowl iron bowl bowl, so that's that iron bowl yeah what right so you think oklahoma you think a&m's three will be LSU, Texas, and I put Mississippi Arkansas. State. Well, I, I ended up put Mississippi State in there, but but yeah, you could you could finagle that where Arkansas, it's they already got instead. that game at Jerry's World, right? That, that I think yeah. they right. both want, right? Yep. Oklahoma yep. then would go Texas, Florida, and Mizzou. No, oh wait. N- Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Go yeah, Texas, yeah. Missouri, and Florida. Texas. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And yep. Florida's three would be what? Georgia, Oklahoma, S- and then South Carolina is what I have. Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma. Mm. Again, these things. No Florida, change, Tennessee, but. yeah. Yeah. But that's that yeah. well, look, yeah, you're gonna have to break some eggs to make this omelet. So, right. Yeah. You you can't have every you're not gonna have everything. So like right. like the like I, you know, like the Arkansas, Texas AM thing, I mean you know, some things might have to stop, you know, I mean, you, you mm. we'll see, but they're going to try to their best to not break some eggs, but they're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to end yeah. some things in order to do this. You, you are. There's also yep. going to be some interest. Now they're going to get to play everybody every two years. So, right. But like, if you're, te- if you're like Kentucky, you want to make sure you're either playing and you want to play in Georgia, Texas, or Florida every like, you want to play yeah. this there's a recruiting ground mm-hmm. bit, right? You just can't mm-hmm. be Kentucky and be like, here, you get to play Vandy, Missouri, and uh Tennessee or something like that. And it's like, well, I want to get down to where there's players. A lot of right. them somehow too. So but anyway, this is gonna be better than it was. I mean Yeah. And yeah, for sure. One thing yeah, one thing that, that came up briefly a couple of minutes ago that this will mean a re- if you, if the SEC goes down to three non-conference games, nine conference, there will be a reduction in those November eighteenth UMass, you know, mm. UMass Louisiana Blues Monroe, yeah, right. <laughs> Samford Citadel games, which everybody, oh my gosh, I mean the people in the other conferences hate those games. The Citadel, so that's, Citadel that's may go be- out of business if they can't yeah, right. farm out their team to get killed. Uh, well, and this is a great point, Pat, because I think you talk to people from the bottom eight, and they say, well, if we're going to go to nine games, the requirement to play a one power five non-conference game should not exist anymore. 
and we should be able to because we're already playing that ninth, you know, that ninth Power Five game now. So there's an argument mm. from some on the bottom that you should eliminate that, and then that might bring, oh, bring into the fold an FCS and two G fives. Basically, you would have now again the top half doesn't agree. They think the requirement. I think a lot of them think the requirement should remain should remain as such. So. We'll uh, we'll see. I think a lot of ads around the country who are in are, are power five ads. The you know sixty five. I think that they would say that every every power five team should pay ten power five games. But uh, that yep. you know I think the the vast majority would say that. But again, there's probably a few on the bottom half of the SEC that would argue that requirement needs to be lifted. It'll be interesting. That'd be an interesting argument and debate well, when they when they meet. It would be and. It shouldn't be lifted. It should be 10. Play 10. Man up. You're in the SEC. And the other thing, think about what could be potentially dropped there. Clemson, South Carolina, and Kentucky, Louisville. I could hear the screaming from here if Louisville, if Kentucky drops Louisville. And I am sure from Clemson saying how chicken South Carolina is if the chickens drop Clemson. Those should not get dropped. Those no. in-state rivalries no, should not get yeah. dropped. Yeah. I, and I would get, I would understand that now all of a sudden you're Kentucky and you're like, well, we're stuck. This is our 10. Mm-hmm. We can't, but they don't really go out. And, like, what was the last time Kentucky had a, and they're pretty happy playing middle Tennessee and yeah, Miami, Ohio, right? Yes, they are. Very happy playing those games. And it's gotten into Louisville. a lot of bowl games playing that schedule. And frankly, yeah, they've so kicked Louisville's not, ass in recent years, too. So they shouldn't want to. I mean, they play occasionally play Indiana or something, but I don't know a lot of great. They used to. A lot of great non conference games there. But certainly, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, and uh, Georgia are pretty boxed in. And, you know, if Georgia occasionally wants to play somebody else, which they you know, a Notre Dame or something. They got to take that risk. Alabama's got a bunch of games around the country. They're really trying to make their program more national. Yes. And go on the road, like including like Boston College. I think Alabama's going to Boston College at one point just to be like, you know what? We are, this is how Notre Dame became a, na- you know, this is like yeah. generational thinking, right? So we're going to take our team to to Boston and play in an East Coast and, East Coast media and all of that, even though, I mean, they should beat the hell out of Boston College, but whatever. It's still, it's like a kind of an oddball home and home. Yeah. But so there is some of that. But also with the playoff, though, we're going to get all these extra great games. So, well, um, and let, we, if you want to, real quick, because it, it's an interesting topic, I think it's, it is going to be the most difficult part of, of this. At least that's what I've heard from SEC folks. They, they say the most difficult part is the season-ending game. So you have the four ACC-SEC matchups. So that takes care of that four SEC teams. You have Egg Bowl, Iron Bowl, which takes care of another four. You have Tennessee-Vanderbilt, which takes care of two. So you're looking at, what, six? Right. You got six, six more left over, right? And that's lsu Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and who am I missing? Missouri. Missouri, yeah. So you got to somehow, out of those six, pair like who, you know, you'd like to see. You know, LSU and Arkansas used to play at the end of the season. They stopped it, and they, they've turned yeah. it to LSU, Texas A&M. That and seems then like we could work that out, though. They've started the border war of Arkansas-Missouri, you know, and they I don't know they want to – in that, and, and then they, obviously Texas and Texas A and M, you want to see play, I, and then Oklahoma. Unless you used to play in A and M in the pacemaker, punch the pacemaker <laughs> bowl. Yes, 
So you do Oklahoma. I, look, you and know? I can do this in a second. Oklahoma plays Missouri. LSU plays Arkansas. A mm-hmm. and yeah. Texas play. I, I think that's right, the one I'd on. prefer. Yeah, I think I'm hitting to the beach at St. Rose's Hotel. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sankey, I think that's, call that's, me. I'll get this done yeah, in 20 yeah. minutes. We'll be down there drinking at the beach. I, I on, think that man. is the appropriate. Here's the problem. There's going to be problems with everyone. Again, you're going to break some eggs. The 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 LSU people might say, we don't want to play Arkansas again in the season. We like Texas A&M. And Texas A&M people will say, oh, yeah, we don't want to play Texas. We want to keep our LSU yeah. matchup at the end of the season. But, you know, got to break I'll some get eggs. get this all done in one happy hour at the Florabama. <laughs> all right let's talk about another conference two more now we we uh, detailed that last week george Klivkoff, the pac-12 commissioner uh, attended a horrible smu temple basketball game which may have scared him back to uh the west coast i don't know and trying to figure it out what are they going to do how do they get to 12 who do they add right will smu San Diego State seem to be the favorites right now over Boise, Fresno State, UNLV is a possibility in that area too. They certainly a huge television market and a you know very kind of Pac twelve ish city. So many Californians living in Vegas and good recruiting turf too. You can listen if you didn't listen to that discussion it's the last podcast. So go back and where the hell were you? But <laughs> we'll forgive you. Then we discussed well what if the the Big 12 jumps in and says, no, we're going to take SMU and maybe add maybe add San Diego State. Maybe try to get Memphis. Maybe, you know, we talked about a bunch of things. That's also in Lost Podcast. Here's what I, I want to know. At what point as this Pac-12 deal lumbers, lingers, sits there not done, at what point is more and more of the discussion is, hey, we're going to be streaming heavy, which I think terrible visibility and probably not tons of money. At what point is there a panic? And I know they're going to, it's a lot of kumbaya, we all love each other and all of this, but at what point do either of these two factions say, maybe the Big 12's better for us, and we take the current 12-team Big 12 and just jump and make it a 16-team? And I would say the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, or the four teams in the Pacific Northwest, if they can't break free, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, and maybe Oregon and Washington jump without them. I don't know. But is there any possibility that this slow play of the Big 12 championship or television revenue could lead to that kind of a, a seismic shift where the Pac-12 could be losing a bunch of teams where they just say, you know what? Hey, man, we're Arizona schools. We're... Being in Texas is good, you know, like we're not really in Southern California anymore. Maybe this is our move. And we're the the late night window every week on ESPN and Fox, which Big 12 has to deal with. Pat? I mean, I would be concerned if I were in the Pac-12 and wanted to stay in the Pac-12. Just because the, the yeah, we got this sort of vibe that had come out, been coming out hasn't been followed with any real action. And they may still be saying those things. They may still be talking a good game, but we got to see them play the game. We've got to see a meteorites deal. And then we've got to see the expansion, or maybe those the, the, the cart is now in front of the horse. We've talked about that, that it was always going to be, here's the meteorites deal, then here's the next 
round of expansion. And maybe now it's we've got to expand first to secure the meteorites. Ross did a good job detailing some of that last week. And so if you're sitting there, especially if you're if you're if you're Oregon, Washington, and you know, and you have some pretty desirable properties, and if you're the four corner schools that you mentioned, and you could really, you know, pretty theoretically easily see yourself fitting into the Big 12, I think you got to be saying, all right, George, what, what do we have here exactly? What's the plan? What are we going with? Where's the money coming from? And who else is coming in? And out of those people that are coming in, who's going to help us? So uh, I would be, I, I would have to think there's a little bit of stress uh, at Pac-12 leadership right now. They may still feel like they got everything under control, but again, we've got to see it. We've time to put cards on the table. Yeah, and it's it's about I think it's a twofold th- th- this decision from Pac-12 schools, the four corner schools, about what they do. Uh, and look, I mean, Brett, your Mark, and, and several Big Twelve administrators, I think they've been pretty open, privately, and maybe some to, at some points publicly about their courtship of those schools. You're not hearing much from those schools, certainly not publicly. And I think later you know, today or earlier today, depending on when this uh, pod publishes, you're going to hear probably that the Pac-12 is unified and the 10 are unified going forward, which we've heard before. But until a grant of rights is signed, uh, a new TV deal, then I don't know. You never know. But it's twofold here. It's money in its visibility uh, as far as the decision from these these Pac-12 schools. So are they going to get the kind of money that the Big 12 will get from its TV deal? which I believe is around $31 million just in TV distribution, not counting all the other NCAA tournament and college football playoff. And that'll send it over 40, should send it over 40, maybe to 50. Well, they, are they going to be able to get that money? And also, who are they going to get that money from? What platform will they be? Will their games be on? The Big 12's got Fox and ESPN. Big platforms, everybody gets those channels, you know, linear, uh, all that stuff. And it seems like the Pac-12 is having trouble getting linear and, uh, you know, is streaming more than half of your games. Uh, is that enough visibility for for schools? The fact that you're, and we talked about this last week, like Dan said, but the fact that you're courting SMU and San Diego State to to come into your league to in order to get a better TV deal might be a little concerning for some. So I was uh, last week at, I was at the Super Bowl in Arizona. I went over, talked to Kenny Dillingham, the new coach at Arizona State. So Coach Prime down on Radio Row, Colorado, right? And, you know, neither were, didn't really ask him about all this stuff and all that. But like, if you're Colorado right now, yes, you might be able to get more money if you jump to the Big 12. But the exposure is kind of more of my concern. You don't have Coach Prime and you put him on Amazon Prime. You, you've got this guy. You want him out there as best you can. But you also want to bring in. They're very excited at Colorado. They're selling tickets like crazy. They may sell out. Uh, they could sell out their whole season. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, it's, it's absolute phenomenon right now at Colorado. Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham's plan is activate the Valley. That's his term. I got to get people back into this stadium. When he was a kid growing up in Phoenix area, they would sell out the stadium sometimes. They got a great stadium. They got this huge market. It's the fifth biggest market in the world. Now they got all this pro sports you got to compete against now. Not like they used to back in the day. 
but you've got to, he just wants to create as much excitement as he possibly can around Arizona state so that kids from around the country and in particularly local say, I don't have to leave. I can stay right here, go to the pros, play in exciting games. So this is that balance they're dealing with. You don't want to be on, on streaming. You want to be, but are you going to sell tickets if all of a sudden you're bringing in unfamiliar opponents? And look, the big, the big 12 is really solid. But if you're trying to sell tickets in the Phoenix market and you're said, Hey, Iowa state's coming. Yeah. Hey, central Florida's coming. Hey, mm -hmm. even, you know, just Oklahoma state, like I, those, I, do those schools ring out in that area? the way you can, if you're sitting there saying, I got Oregon coming in, I got Washington. These are our familiar teams. Come out to the game. Let's go. Colorado fans, let's go. Let's create an excitement. We will make money back that we weren't making on ticket sales, on parking, on popcorn, on the whole thing. If you create, if you activate the Valley or activate the front range where Colorado is, Utah obviously has done, there's a lot more money to make. And what they really need is playoff games or a chase for playoff games to create the excitement that gets the common person to say, oh, something big's happening over here. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, we're playing Oregon State Saturday night. We win. We're going the Pac-12 championship game, and we got a shot at the playoff, right? Now, that's what sells tickets. At, that's how you get people from Denver to get up to Boulder. That's how you get people in Phoenix to sit there and say, hey, big game at ASU. So you can win these leagues, I think, probably easier than this. I mean, the Big 12 is just going to be a mash of teams. And so I, I like it's a weird thing. You can't just sit there and be like, well, this one's going to make me 31 million. This one's going to make me 20. Well, you can make that 6 million back in a different way on the back end if you actually get going. Like a playoff game at in Tempe would be crazy. Right. Just absolutely yeah, crazy. No, so it would be phenomenal. It, there's Mill so Street, many sliding things on this. You can't just look at TV revenue. Yep. No, that's a really, that's a very good point is you've got to think what, what is going to move your fan base as well. And you are right that the, like right now, the, the big 12 going forward is kind of a, a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of what resonates with fans. They've got a lot of good programs. They don't have the, Heavy cachet, blue blood, instant name recognition programs. And in places in the Pac-12, you kind of need that because people are, you know, a little bit fickle. And so. And they're uh, in pro markets. Yeah. They're all pro markets, right? Other than, like, yeah. are, right? It's, I mean, I guess Tucson isn't. Salt Lake, Salt Lake City is. isn't. I mean, it's not, it's not an NFL team, market. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the Oregon schools are. I mean, but you got you have pro markets. You you can't mm -hmm. just be like, hey, we got really, really. I swear, uh, Kansas State's good, and yeah. we don't know Kansas State. We've never seen Kansas State out here, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, to me, you you look at those. You look at what Colorado and and Arizona State are doing, and I would imagine they would be very swing votish in this type of thing. I I think being in the giving the Pac-12 a shot for a little while. You don't have to sign a fifteen-year deal. You know, don't do one of these ACC deals, but say, all right, let's see how this goes. Right. But man, I think we have a better chance of winning this league and being this than getting into this 16-team derby where we're kind of always fighting on other people's turf. Taking Arizona State East and, uh, you know, just all over the place. So, I don't know. Ross? Yeah, no, I, uh, 
I think uh, all those are, are good points. And you're right. I, <laughs> there's just no way that the Pac-12 is, is going to going to get some of its members to sign on for a long-term grant of rights. They're going to have to sign something, some kind of contractual grant of rights in order to get the TV deal done, I think. But I can't imagine it be over like six years, you know, and even six years seems long in this situation, especially from Washington and Oregon standpoint and in, in the Four Corners who, you know, arguably those six schools have been somewhat courted by, by others, Big Ten, with Washington and Oregon and in the four corners by the by the Big 12. So, I'd imagine some kind of short deal if it does if it does happen. Yeah, same with Oregon and Washington. Like they got to be looking at the Pac-12 with the new setup with the playoff and saying, "We can win the league. We right. could host a game. Washington Huskies are a big deal in Seattle, but they're not the Seahawks. They're not all these other, you know, everything's there. Can we is that how we get back to really owning this city?" best you can so pretty easy all right let's let's we had a lot here we're going to get deeper in this because but the the aliens the ufos (laughs) the ufos okay now i have no inside knowledge and if i did i would not be able to share it maybe i do maybe i don't see that's we don't really know what your security clearance level level not reveal my sources okay you were kind of close to area 51 last week right Maybe I went over. Go spying around. Yeah, there you go. You don't know what I did or didn't do. Nobody does. <laughs> Except drink uh, drink some, some Miller Lights probably, right? <laughs> it was some push probably light. some drinking. Push, push Light doesn't Bush seem Light. What am I, I thinking? I was downtown. Miller, not Miller Light. I was bush in, Light. Arizona is a bush is a bush light kind of state, but I was stuck in in downtown Phoenix, which has gotten all uppity on itself, <laughs> and I don't even know how it. Like, there were like four bourbon bars on like two block right. radius of my hotel. Really? All right, yeah, all and right. it's great. But I'm like, how many people around here are looking for like forty dollar, you know, exclusive yep, things? So anyway, like, hey, it's Dan, too come damn on hot now. there for bourbon. Too hot know. for Phoenix. bourbon there. Oh. I said this on. Uh, I was on. Uh, it gets cool in the desert, uh, though, in the winter, right? At night. In the winter. In the winter at night. In the winter. But that's a short yeah. window. Like, <laughs> August, so let's go Ryan get this 120. Show I down in Alabama. I, said, I don't know how to urban plan. I'm not an urban planner, but you, don't do Phoenix. That's like the worst <laughs> urbanly planned. Like, it's just, I don't know what, uh, what it is. Just there it is. Anyway, what do I know about the aliens? I can't really reveal everything, but I know this. This is my presumption. 99% chance this is a bunch of nothing, okay? That it's just all the countries spying on each other and everyone, now we're all, all excited about it because the media found out we made a big stink and everyone's mad. So we're shooting shooting crap down over the lakes and Montana and everything, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Or is a 1% chance this is the biggest thing to ever happen in our entire <laughs> lives. There's freaking <laughs> aliens. Like, shouldn't this be even bigger news? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Absolutely. This is the biggest news in the history of the human race, brother. Yes, I this mean, is it. Like, what are we doing? Our lives, everybody's lives. That ever People are like, ah, there's some UFOs, maybe. Like, wait, what? what? The Pentagon's like, we can't rule it out. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm intensely curious for them to rule it in or rule it out. Let's get some more information here. Marco I, I Rubio, Marco Rubio came out and said this. They've been UFOs all the time. Like, wait, what? Hold the phone. 
feel like I'm in an Independence Day where they they unveil like, oh, by the way, years ago we found three alien aircrafts with actual aliens in them, and we have their bodies. Like, I feel like that might be coming soon, soon enough. Why is this stuff secret? This is what I want to know. Even if you told me there were like aliens coming down, right? What, what, what am I going to like call them up and interfere in your communications with them? I don't have their number. No. They just. <laughs> the people of the world of Earth deserve to know. We deserve the <laughs> we truth. Do. Earthlings would like to know. Yes. Are we being invaded or not? Even if they're not benevolent invaders. This I is think. why I think it's crap. Because one of these countries would break. Plus, we had <laughs> Trump. Okay. Trump, I don't care if you like tr- love Trump, hate Trump. Trump would tell everything. Trump didn't believe. He'd just be like, oh, my God. I mean, if Trump was president right now, I'd be like, absolutely, these goos are coming in from here. He would just yap it out there. He didn't care. It was no top secret with Trump. Trump would have told us what was going on. That's, he probably has documents pertaining to it down yeah, in the yeah, yeah, say, That might have been he, what he, he probably has the documents. The yes. Wait till you see this, man. Wait till you see yeah. what I got in my office. <laughs> Should have that president. Well, I mean, I've, and if he comes out and says, look, man, I took all the alien stuff, I'd be like, I'll quit this man. <laughs> I, mean, I would not blame him one bit. Classified. What is going on, Pat? Are we, the aliens here? I, look, I, I like if until the government rules it out, I'm not ruling it out. So I'm preparing. <laughs> I'm gonna dig my own like bunker under the house. Really? Open my own panic room. Well, well, mostly. Look, I'd go into this actually probably with a more optimistic viewpoint of like I'd like <laughs> to meet them, have a beer with them or whatever, you know, and see see what they're about. But just in case they figured out how to get here before we figured out how to get there, mm. so they're smarter than us and probably mm. more powerful. And if they want to incinerate us, they might. So, yeah, I was about to say. I, I want to be I prepared like, both ways. I feel like there's some incineration coming. Uh, I am uh, reminded <laughs> of uh, what is it? Um, uh, what is the movie? Uh, Mars something. Uh, it's the alien movie. It's kind of cartoonish. Uh, they come down, bringing any bells here, and they incinerate everybody. Anyway, we want to meet them. Okay. Like Pat yeah. just said, he wants to meet yeah. them, and they all go out there, and uh, you know, there's a line of dignitaries ready to meet them, and. And then they just take their guns out and incinerate everybody, and everybody dies. (laughs) Sounds like a quick movie. I don't know. Why? Here's my thing. I I think they are benevolent. Why would you come all the way here when we're not bothering you and just to blow up our world? If anything, they come to enslave us to like maybe they need our crops or something, or they like our (laughs) seawater. I don't. I don't know. But I think they come in peace. Mars Attacks, by the way, is the movie. Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. Okay. Mars Attacks. Okay. Now, it was pointed out that, yes, they probably have superior equipment and stuff. But at the same time, when we send stuff to, like, Saturn or Mars, I don't know. We've been to some different planets. We, like, crash land a a rocket in there and hope hope it didn't break, right? (laughs) And hope like yeah, the battery the, didn't the drain Mars on the rover camera. and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we just like uh-huh. we just get this one kind of crappy truck and we drive it around. <laughs> so like maybe they don't have really good <laughs> either. You know, they're just like <laughs> <laughs> alien truck is just gonna land. And I mean, look at this. Okay, they flew over the thumb of Michigan. I can tell you, there's nothing going on out there. If that's what you're looking, I would think. Okay, I'm gonna go check out New York. Paris, I don't know, Singapore, <laughs> something like that. They had to scramble jets from Gary, Indiana the other day. What? <laughs> right. The aliens are coming to Gary? 
They'd look at Gary and say, oh, we're out of here. This place is terrible. We're out of here. We're out of here. I, I, so, so far, I'm not, you know, Montana, Alaska. You're looking in the wrong places, aliens. I don't think you guys know nearly as much as you think you do. <laughs> maybe, not. maybe their, their crappy crash-landed truck uh, is, is about as uh, efficient as ours. So, I look, I'm going to maintain uh, optimistic vigilance, all right? I will... Uh, <laughs> I will attempt to be friends with the aliens, but but I'm ready also to to dig underground. Okay, you're not going to take up arms. You're going to run, hide. Oh yeah, no, I'm not a take up arms guy. I feel like there's a war. We're dead. Yeah, there'll be yeah, a few. We'll, we'll be the version of those like armies, like yeah, where they have like a Toyota truck with like one gun and a couple guys <laughs> in the back. That's going to be us <laughs> shooting at like yeah. spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, if we really want to fight, you're not going to last very long. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted this out. Uh, I so wish Mike Leach was here. We, oh, need our, we need our alien advisor yeah. to uh, be here to tell us. He, he knows all the secrets, this. probably. I mean, him and Trump talked fairly regularly. He probably knows I all bet. the classified information. <laughs> he probably he, does. It's a real loss right now. First thought, uh, what does Leach think of this? How do we defend ourselves against? He could hold a special press conference. Not press conference, Mike Leach. He's announcing oh, some man. transfers. No, yeah. no, we're just going to discuss. Yeah. The if you kicked off a Mike Leach press conference with how what, number one, what do you think of the latest um, objects alien appearing first. that the government is shooting down? And number two, if they are alien uh, spacecraft, uh, how should we defend the planet? He would go a good 45 minutes, I would imagine, yeah. without taking the <laughs> Well, I mean, honestly, no offense to the Mississippi State football program, but we have, there's priorities, okay? And yes. you're too deep is not it. <laughs> <laughs> we need our great yeah. thinkers talking about the great situation that we may be getting invaded by aliens, which I don't think is being discussed enough. Look at even <laughs> this podcast, your podcast, the People's Podcast. Yeah, we buried we spent 50 it. We minutes talking lead. about Arkansas playing Missouri. <laughs> Not whether the whole place is going to get incinerated. Yeah, we'll do better. We'll 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 try to be more on top of that news. But that where yeah, we, no. this is an ongoing saga. We will oh, be on boy. it. You trust the ultimate ongoing saga. Your alien news will be right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The authority on alien invasion, right here. Your college yeah. football inquire. <laughs> We can break down potential SEC schedules and the alien invasion <laughs> equal aplomb. Who else can do that? <laughs> Nobody. This is the talent. This is the talent we have. That's it. We're blessed with great talent. <sighs> we have great responsibility. That's so right. continue to listen and subscribe and tell your friends about us and share us on social media and go back and listen to the old ones. Stay, stay, keep, keep up to date. Keep it we'll pay and, and pass along any uh, any news of any other unidentified flying object. If you we'll see, yeah, if you see an unidentified flying object, it's gonna be like one of the, the Auburn plane flying this, like <laughs> right, or like the Alabama plane flew to South Bend to pick up Tommy Reese. We were all <laughs> college football knows all about unidentified flying objects. Mm -hmm. Talk to you later this week with more. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. 
Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.